Good morning and welcome. And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is a gift to be able to gather as the children of God and to worship God together this morning. Thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning. As we gather, just a reminder of the registration pads that we find to our right or left in our pews. It helps us to know of you sharing in worship at First Church this morning, so I invite you to attend to those and invite you to attend to ministry opportunities as they are before us as well. Again, following this time of worship, ministries for youth and children and families will take place in the Uptown Ministry Center. We gather there at 12.30, we share in a common meal and then go our respective ways according to our ages, share in choral training, share in faith development, share in discussion. So it's a wonderful opportunity and I look forward to being with our young families following worship. And also uh, look forward to sharing in the ministries of choral music for our children each Monday afternoon. So we will enjoy those ministries again tomorrow afternoon. A reminder as well of the um, worship committee as it is to meet on Wednesday. Uh, but on Tuesday evening, we begin meeting with the next step. That is a new leadership team here at First Church. So we are going to gather and share in conversation, share in prayer, share in reading of scripture discerning where God is leading us at this time in the ministries of First United Methodist Church. Uh, we will meet at the Uptown Ministry Center at 7 o'clock, and I covet your prayers as we begin a new chapter and uh, building upon the wonderful ministries that God has entrusted to First Church. Remember as well the ministries of the Lunch Bunch each Tuesday and Thursday. And we remember again that this year we are spending a great deal of time in the Gospel of Luke that is represented before us on the bulletin cover this morning from chapter 13. Jesus heals a woman who has been ill for a long time. We would think the united response to that healing would be one of praise and glory, but we find out that is not so. I look forward to sharing in that word, uh, sharing in the gift of music as we gather together as the people of God. I'll invite us now to prepare to worship God together.
I invite us to stand our call to worship before us. God has placed God's hand on you for healing and restoration. God has called you to special service and witness. Praise God who encourages us to use our gifts to help others. Let us rejoice and praise God.
prayer before us. Let us pray. Lord God, whose power and mercy extend to all ends of creation, pour your love on us this day that we might be healed and be made ready to serve you by serving others in this world that you have created. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We proclaim the word of God first as it comes to us from the 71st Psalm, which is number 794 in the back of our hymnals. We will share in the word of God responsively, and we will sing this response as well. As we approach the response, which we find before us, we will hear it played, the choir will offer the response, and then we are invited to share in that response. We proclaim the word of God together. First, we pray. Because of your love for us, O Lord, because of your desire to heal us and to make us new, you proclaim your word to us. Help us to hear, to take your word to us, to feed upon it, that we might be satisfied each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is refuge. My mouth is filled with your grace and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together saying, O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. This is the word of our Lord. 
Oh boy, I wonder if I'll be alone up here. Oh, no. Hey, y'all. Good morning. So I got a quick question for you both. What do you think is the best day to do something good for somebody else? It's okay if you don't know the answer. On a Monday? On a Monday? Why do you think on a Monday? So, it can, so they can have a great week. That's actually really cool. I like that a lot. Do good things to people on Mondays, guys. Um, the reason I ask is Jesus did nice things for people on days that a lot of other people would not consider it to be a good day to do nice things for them on. Specifically, way back in his time, they had a holy day called Sabbath, which is Saturday. So, according to Jewish law, you weren't really supposed to do work on a Sabbath. But Jesus chose to heal people and help people on Sabbath, which got religious people mad at him a lot. So it'd be like um, us doing some, going out of our way to help somebody on a Sunday during the middle of a Sunday service. But Jesus said that that is actually more in tune with what God wants us to do, to not be so caught up in the way we've always done things to be blind to the needs of others. And so Jesus would purposely help people on Sabbath to kind of point out like, hey, you guys are the pastors and the priests and you're not doing these things and you're getting mad at me for doing these things. So Jesus liked to point out to people that it's okay to do good things for other people on a Sabbath. You see, there's this one time that Jesus healed this lady who was hunched over and she couldn't stand upright. And he was in the middle of the temple and there were people all around him And this lady had come up, and Jesus saw that she had this problem, and he healed her, and she was able to stand up straight. And while a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, that is so cool, Jesus just healed that lady, and she hasn't been able to stand up straight for like 10, 18 years or something like that. So it's been a real long time. Uh, But some of the religious leaders got mad at Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. And Jesus turns around and is like, well, you guys take care of your pets on a Sabbath. You take care of your donkeys and your sheep. Why shouldn't I take care of this lady who's one of our people? And so the religious people really didn't have anything to say to that. And a lot of other people were like, oh my gosh, Jesus, that is so cool that you can do that. So Mondays are a great day to do something nice for somebody. But really, any day is a great day to do something nice for somebody, no matter what day it is. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for setting the example for us that we can do good no matter what our circumstances or what the time frame is. We thank you that no matter what day of the week it may fall on, that we can go and help others because it's what you do. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us this. In your heaven's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, children. Our children's time leads us into the reading of the gospel from Luke, the 13th chapter, verses 10 through 17. We hear the word of our Lord. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, 
And there was a woman who had had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands upon her, and immediately she was made straight, and she praised God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his ass from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said this, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. This is the word of our Lord. Well, though we may be hesitant to take the side of this leader of the synagogue in this scripture, we may be honest enough to admit he's got a point. There is much to be said for honoring the Sabbath. There is much to be admired about holding reverence for this day. There are only ten commandments, we know. The fact that remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy made this top ten list tells us holy observation of the Sabbath is important to God. It is to be important to us. Plus, if someone, even Jesus, is going to play fast and loose with the Sabbath, then who is to say we cannot play fast and loose with the other commandments? There's also this. According to our scripture, this woman whom Jesus heals on the Sabbath has been ill for 18 years. Is being ill one more day going to make that much difference? That is to say, is she going to be any worse off tomorrow than today? Now, I know it may sound cold to suggest such a thing, but consider this. See how conflict is avoided if Jesus simply waits one day to heal this woman. See how peace is maintained if Jesus does the practical thing and waits just a little while. Because we know that maintaining the peace is important, don't we? I know I've mentioned to you before the late Rabbi Edwin Friedman, a gifted educator and therapist whose work has been of great help to many clergy, including myself. Rabbi Friedman has been of such help to me that I speak of Rabbi Friedman as my other Jewish savior. Anyone? Anyone? Okay, thank you, thank you. I like it. It was Rabbi Friedman who, after years of working with institutions in every discipline, education, military, corporate, religious, observed that too often we are inclined to choose peace over progress. What he is saying is that when an institution, such as a church, is given opportunity to experience progress, 
perhaps to add staff or expand facilities or add a new service or add missions. The church, despite opportunity to progress into the future, will say no to such opportunity. Why? Because to progress would disrupt the peace. Because to choose progress would mean someone's going to be upset that conversations such as this will take place. We know, preacher, I agree with you that we need to expand our outreach. But you know, that would upset a lot of families here, families I've gone to church with a long time. You start reaching out like you're talking about, people here might start to feel neglected. We don't want that. So even though I agree with you about reaching out, think it would be good for the church, I'm going to have to side with these people I've known a long time. Choosing peace over progress. Given the opportunity to step into new ministries, given opportunity to reach new persons with the gospel, given opportunity to follow the leading of the Spirit of God, he says, no. Why? Because to say yes would upset persons of whom he is quite fond, because to do so would disrupt the peace, chooses peace over progress. We understand. Churches are well known as places where it's easy to choose peace over progress. We can't ask him to step down from chairing the trustees. He's been the chair forever. He might leave the church. I know we need a new Sunday school teacher, but it would break her heart if we told her she could not teach anymore. Yes, I know we need new choir robes. We've had these robes since the time of King David, but he bought these robes in memory of his grandmother, and we dare not risk losing him or losing his tithe. Peace over progress, it's, it's risky to disrupt the peace. But we notice, Jesus could have maintained the peace. He could have done so and have lost nothing. He could have waited but a day, perhaps a few hours. The Sabbath ends at sunset. And then he could heal the woman. Everyone is a winner, right? The woman is healed. No one is upset over violation of the Sabbath. All is well. The peace is kept. Or is this dispute before us this morning about proper observance of the Sabbath? Or is this instead not a dispute about Jesus? Now we wonder how this can be, just what is it that is so offensive about Jesus? We wonder how it is that healing this woman generates a response not of praise, but of criticism. Then we wonder, could it be this is not a criticism about what Jesus did, but about who Jesus is. This is not about proper observance of the Sabbath, but of the power Jesus demonstrates on this day that happens to be the Sabbath. Barbara Brown Taylor remembers attending a Christian retreat several years ago. She recalls the leader of the retreat asked us to 
think of someone who represented Christ in our lives. When it came time to share our answers, one woman stood up and said, I had to think hard about that one. I kept thinking, who is it that told me the truth about myself so clearly that I wanted to kill him for it? According to the Gospels, Taylor continues, Jesus died because he told the truth to everyone he met. He was the truth, a perfect mirror in which people saw themselves in God's own light. She continues, what happened then is going on now. In the presence of Jesus' integrity, our own pretense is exposed. In the presence of his constancy, our cowardice is brought to light. In the presence of his fierce love for God and for us, our own hardness of heart is revealed. You see, take Jesus out of the room and all those things become relative. I'm not that much worse than you are, nor you than I. But leave Jesus in the room and there's no place to hide. He is the light of the world. In his presence, people either fall down to worship him or do everything they can to extinguish his light. Could it be this is what is so offensive about Jesus? And if not this, what is it that is so offensive about him? Is Jesus rude? Does he demonstrate poor manners? Does he speak ill? Does he lie? Is there any way by which he tears down the life of someone else? Well, given we cannot say any of the above is true about Jesus, what is it that is so offensive about him? What is it about Jesus that brings a leader of a synagogue to criticize Jesus when he brings new life to an ill woman? What is it about Jesus that leads us to crucify him? This isn't about healing on the Sabbath. It is about what a troubling presence Jesus is. This Jesus who, despite the fact he does no ill, heals the sick, gives new life, is still a person who invites rebuke from those such as this synagogue leader. Did we know how threatening Jesus is? Now, I know for those of us who follow Jesus, it may sound odd to speak of Jesus as a threat. But we know we have ways in which we like our lives to unfold. We have well-established routines by which we serve ourselves and provide for ourselves. We have our lives fairly well controlled making the decisions we want and charting the courses we prefer. And then Jesus shows up. And he can't be controlled. Simply by his presence in our midst, Jesus changes the course of everything. He upsets our routines. He discomforts our lives. We have our calendars. And Jesus challenges us on those calendars. How are you going to spend your time? 
He challenges our finances, the ways in which we spend our resources. Jesus casts light on our relationships. Will we forgive? Will we serve? Will we love? So what do we decide about Jesus? It seems we either follow him or not. It appears from our Gospels that our lives are much easier without having to decide to follow Jesus. It appears our lives are easier without the disruptive presence of Jesus. So we may prefer to be rid of him, not to follow him. And we know it's easier not to follow him than to follow him. This God with us, this word who became flesh and dwells among us, changes everything. And at this point, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if we remember how Jesus referred to this woman he heals. Remember, he speaks of her as a daughter of Abraham. An interesting phrase, daughter of Abraham. Look that phrase up in the Bible and you will find it nowhere else. It's only here. And are we to think of this as a phrase, as some generic expression, Jesus speaks without purpose? We know better than that. We know that as Jesus refers to this woman as a daughter of Abraham, he does so for a particular reason. You see, the story of our salvation really begins with God's call of Abraham, as found in Genesis 12. True, there are chapters preceding the call of Abraham, accounts of creation, Adam and Eve, a great flood, Tower of Babel. All of it important stuff, but still there is something new taking place when God calls Abraham. It is at this point that God breaks into our history. God does so not in theory, not abstractly, but in the person of a particular man. We know nothing, practically nothing about Abraham at this point, but in God's call of Abraham, we are told much about God and God's purpose for his people. Through Abraham, God will bless all people. Through Abraham, through this particular man at a particular time, at a particular place in history, God will accomplish a particular purpose. God will bless all he has made. With his call of Abraham, God is doing a new thing in his salvation story. And we look at the person of Abraham, we see the one who represents God's purpose to save all, to lose not even one. We look at this woman healed by Jesus. We see a woman Jesus names as a daughter of Abraham. And we understand there is nothing to deprive this woman of God's blessing spoken to Abraham. There is nothing to keep this woman from receiving God's promised blessing. She has suffered 18 years. She is to suffer not one day longer. No self-righteous, self-appointed gatekeeper of the faith is to prevent her from the favor of God. Not even a proper observation of Sabbath is to stand between this woman 
and her receiving all blessing God promises her by his promise to Abraham. We remember God's people having neared the completion of wandering through the wilderness, about to step into the land God has promised, hear God say, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, therefore choose life. Though God desires we choose the gifts of blessing and life, there are those who will choose death and curse. Those who would deprive God's gift of healing to a woman for 18 years. There are those refusing to accept the fact that they don't have the final word. God has the final word, and it is a word of blessing. We're not those people. Hearing the word of God anew this morning, this word telling us blessing and curse are before us, life and death are before us, we choose blessing. We choose life. And we find that not only is this woman for 18 years healed, so are we.
invite us to affirm our faith as we share words of scripture from Romans chapter 8, found as number 887 in our hymnals and before us. Let us affirm our faith. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. no. In all things we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. We are sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite us to welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. worship God with his tithes and our offerings as our ushers will come forward. Let us pray. You have touched us, you have blessed us, you've made us whole. For this we give you thanks and we pray that these gifts returned unto you would be witness to our gratitude, to our desire to follow you and to serve you, 
In your care, may these gifts bless many. Amen. We are called to be that community of faith that prays without ceasing, that asks, seeks, and knocks, trusting in God's presence with us. So we go to God as we pray, sharing in the prayers of the people. We know this is a responsive time of prayer in which 
I will offer a series of petitions, concluding each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and inviting from you the response to hear our prayer, inviting you to name those concerns you would like to speak as we pray together as well. Then we conclude with the prayer Christ has taught us. We go to God as we pray. Lord, you do continue to seek and to find us. You consider, you continue to work out your purpose to save us. You continue to fulfill the words you spoke to Abraham, words of blessing for all that you have made. Help us to know at this time we are all children of Abraham. Those who are inheritors, the blessing you spoke to him, and those through whom you continue to work so as to bless all we meet. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, O Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, hear us as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Bishop Weaver, Denise Bates, the Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy. Hear Lord, hear our prayers gathered with the prayers of your saints, those whose voices are joined to ours, praying with us as Christ has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We stand as we sing. the hand of Jesus upon us in this time of worship and we are assured as we go from this place God keeps his word to bless us so that we may be a blessing to all we meet in the name of God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit Amen